Welcome to Bussy Lagani, fighting the final battle, um, fair and unsquare, winning the final, final battle, fair and unsquare. This is our double best. We are in the last part of Chapter 11 of the previous Rebbe of Bussy Lagani. And here is a familiar concept, but with a with an update. We've been talking about victory, that the king and really every single Jew and really every single person has an instinct rooted in their very soul and their essence of the need for victory. And hopefully if they're in sync with truth, then the need for victory is for holy victory, which means they should pursue it. And in fact, you see in this generation that many people cannot hold themselves back from having to having to go towards victory with their agenda. You know, everybody is pushing their agenda, what they believe is right, and, you know, my view is right, and my view is right, and my, and their project, and et cetera. And, and so, but it's rooted in something extremely strong. So here's the question. When it comes to the king, and when it comes to, to me, Mashiach himself, he experiences the need for victory, and Hashem himself experiences the need for victory, the victory of truth, the victory of godliness, the victory of holiness, all of this prevailing and covering the entire world. How do you do that? Because here Hashem has inserted us, the whole project, in a world that has the potential to be very dark. Some days a little bit dark, other days extremely dark, or or beyond beyond. What we saw in the Holocaust was a taste of the potential of the world to create extreme darkness. How can the king, how can Mashiach, how can Hashem himself as Melech Malchim Lachim win, be victorious, Netzach, Nitzachim, in a world which always throws up a fresh, brand new, newly invented form of darkness that you didn't even experience before. That means as much as Hashem and Mashiach are determined to create to be victorious, it will just, it's like, if every, every step they do, they, 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 every step forward to bring truth out, will create its own matching twin twin brother dark opponent. There's a Malik fighting Mashiach. Every time Mashiach puts a foot forward, a Malik puts his foot forward. There's no end. So what's what's gonna be? And here's the answer. That in the end in order to be minatech, for the nituach, for the victory, against the enemy, the king, Mashiach, Hashem, and, and the, the Yid himself, but really, the ki- we'll say the king, Hashem, mid-baz beis kol skulas ha-aisras dahayin yakar ha-nesaf v'nikabitz b'meshech kamashan. The king wants to win the war. It's the instinct, as we said a few days ago. It's the very rooted, deepest, holy instinct for the king to want to win, to be victorious. That's what kingship is. And therefore, what he will do, and this is a well-known concept, he will 
take all of the treasures that were collected throughout generations and generations. These treasures were never used. These treasures, we'll see what he's going to do with them. But imagine, these treasures, their function is to just sit there. They add value. They add to the royalty. Knowing that the king has these treasures, and they're never used, but they're simply sitting there in a vault, adds to the um, preciousness of the malchus of the king. And as everybody knows, there are different museums and different places where there are very, very um, expensive treasures that no one ever sees. They're not brought out from time to time to show to the public. Everyone knows that they're there. Well, if no one can see them, what do you need them for? They're not there to be used. They're there to add uh, value. They're there in their hidden, being sitting there hidden, <clears throat> They increase the value of the place. They increase the value of the malchus, of the dignity, etc. And so, um, comes the moment when the king realizes this is the moment when he needs to now push forward to win the war. So, what does he do? Remember, these treasures, by definition, are never supposed to be seen by the people. So a radical move would be to take them out and let the people see them. Because what will that do? That will inspire the people to feel, oh, my goodness, these are the treasures that if we win the war, these treasures will somehow affect everything. So people are inspired by the treasures. That would be a radical move, to take them out and show them to people. Never been done before. But the fact that he takes them out and he gives them to the people, that's beyond what we would think crazy. Give them to the people? They never even saw them before. They're not people who are fit, who know really what to do with them. And so he not only takes them out and shows them to the people, which is, breaks all the rules, he no long, not only then goes further and gives them to the people, which really breaks all the rules, he's mibazbez. He squanders them, just like, hey, get, hey guys, hey, yo, come on, let me throw you a few of these over here. He just throws them out at the people in a squanderous way. This is beyond breaking every single rule. It's so completely counterintuitive, we don't know what to think. You know, of course, this is the muscle of the Altareb and the king and the crown and the precious jewel. Everybody knows it. Why does he do it? That's insane. You just squandered the entire malchus. And the reason he's done it, because according to the Midah of Nitzachan of victory, this Midah of Nitzachan is higher than Rasan and Einig. More than he wants his kingship, more than he has pleasure from his kingship, more than he has pleasure from ruling the land, he more than any of that, he wants the victory of Hashem. And all the very lofty Einig, Nifla, the wondrous Einig that he has in his kingship. And again, we're talking about something pure and something holy. Not somebody who, we're not talking about Napoleon. We're talking about Mashiach himself. 
there's tremendous, you can imagine in, in the wondrous einig uh, of the Malchus of Hashem, the Malchus of Mashiach, it's incredible. But none of that comes close to the incredible mile, the incredible advantage, the incredible energy of victory, Nitzachan. Why? Because the meat of Nitzachan, of victory, is way higher than Einig, way higher than pleasure, way higher than holy pleasure. And the king will be ready to throw his life into the battle to win. And the fact is, that's what the Alter Rebbe did, or so it seems. And the Alter Rebbe was opposing Napoleon and needed to be victorious so that we could be here today learning Torah. And if not for that, we would not. He needed to, it seems that he needed to throw his life into the battle. He didn't just catch a cold or COVID-19 or COVID-16 and pass away on Chavdalatevis. Come on. He needed to throw his life into the battle in the middle of that bitter winter when he was fighting Napoleon with everything he had. And not only that, because of the great victory that he needs to have, he puts himself in the thick of the war. Because the victory, victory is rooted and planted in its etzma nefesh, higher than all of his revealed kaifas. It's higher than the light, and it's higher It's higher than everything that's revealed in him. And that's why he has to give over his life and really throw it into the battle. As it says, he squanders all of the treasures and the tainuge malachim. There are all kinds of pleasures, holy pleasures, that kings have. He squanders them all. Every, all the perks, again, <laughs> the perks for a king come with a lot of responsibility. But all the things that a king has, his royal robes, his royal this and royal that, he squanders it all. He just throws it all at the people. Hey, yo, hey, catch. You know, like you see, you know, well, I don't know if we do it, but, you know, the bride throwing her bouquet out into the crowd and whoever catches, catches. They're like, hey, guys, catch. And the Seder is in the way, the following. That during the war, they open up all the treasures and they give them to the, the, the those who are in, in charge, the ones who who are in charge of the soldiers. Why? Because the soldiers are the ones who get the victory accomplished. They're the foot soldiers. They make it happen. They need the king's treasures. And this example will understand in a spiritual way, on the level of Eitzer, spiritual treasure. The spiritual treasures are sealed, they're hidden. As it says, Hashem will open for you His great treasures. And we ask Him to. And we ask Him to give us a free gift from these treasures. Because these treasures are sealed and closed up somewhere and hidden away and we never believed that we would ever have any connection to them, except knowing about them a little bit. We never ever believed that we would be the ones at whom they are tossed out into the audience. 
but we're in the middle of a war. And at the time of the war, those treasures are opened up, and the leaders of the army, the captains of the army, distribute them. You ever see, you know, videos of Fabrengans and being a Fabrengans, at the end the Rebbe would say, would give out dollars or different things to the Tankistim, as he called. Tankistim. Um, and the, you know, a lot of young men who would give them out, give out these dollars, etc. Sometimes Tanyas, when they started giving out Tanyas, um, etc. Tankistim, and Tankistim would, would distribute these treasures. In Tufshin and Base, 1992, when week after week after week, because the Rebbe was giving us another Kuntras, another Kuntras, another Kuntras, another mimer that was the deepest, 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 deepest hidden treasures of God's deepest secrets printed with a nice cover, blue, pink, yellow, green, and put in our hand by the Rebbe himself, installed into our system. That's called squandering the treasures on us. Why does he do it? We're the foot soldiers. He knows that Hashem needs the victory. We're the ones who accomplish the victory. And so the kavana is for the soldier and for the victory. And, and the kavana also is in this distribution, the squandering of the treasures. The point is specifically to give it to the soldier and the soldiers. Because they are the ones who bring about the victory. Therefore, and here's the end of this ice of the mimer, the fact that we're called Tivas Hashem, Tivas Havaya, the fact that the Jewish people, when we came out of Egypt, Mitzrayim, we were called Tivas Hashem, something like that wording. In the essence of the day, we came out of Mitzrayim called Tivas Hashem. We were called Tivas Hashem then. Why were we called Tivas Hashem then? When we were coming out of slavery. Because these were the soldiers who were doing the will of Hashem to fight against the opponent, the Mitrim, and the force of enslavement to nature and the laws of nature that Mitzrayim represented. We were the soldiers to fight all of that. And therefore, the, the supernal, the supernal treasures were opened up and given to us at the moment that we came out of Mitzrayim so that we could win the war against the opponents. So that's what's going on today. It's easy to say. It's more difficult to absorb and live with at every moment. But this is what the previous Rebbe is telling us. And he's telling us from the other side, before the seventh generation. We're talking about 1950, not 1951 when the seventh generation began. We're talking about this was prepared, this is 1950, Tafshin Yud, the sixth generation, the generation that was really connected to all of the darkness. On the, on the others, on the southern side, side well, I'm from the north, so on the other side of the border, pre-Darhashvi, pre-seventh generation, these are the words of the, of the sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe. He's saying, we, as we came out of Mitzrayim, 
were called Tivas Hashem because we were the foot soldiers to fight the opponent and win the war. So we have to know now on the other side of the border in the seventh generation, plus, 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 way into the victory at the last seconds about to, you know, enter in to Mashiach Titan, the enslavement, the slavery to the laws of nature and the limitations of nature that are being blanketing the world more than the snow, that are blanketing the, blanketing the world at this moment, they're intense. The darkness is intense. Not re- it's not snowing snow. It's snowing darkness and doom and gloom. And this is the conversation of the limitations of nature, of the land of Mitzrayim, Paro and his henchmen. And when we are called Sid Sashem, we are it enables us to be those soldiers to come out of to step out of that enslavement and and go to receive the Tyra. In this case, Tyra Khadashamiti takes the Tyra coming with together with Mashiach. We become empowered to illuminate the entire world with the truth, the deepest truth of Tyra, as it's snowing and raining darkness. By Yehudim Haisa Arva Simcha Vasasan Bikar came to Elanu that there should be that we should be just like in the plague of darkness in a bubble of light that then expands and fills the entire world with our light, the light of Hanukkah, the light of Purim, all that light. The light of the creation of the world, the light of Kaira, the light of the essence of every Jew, the light of Mashiach, the light of Hashem. May we find ourselves stepping into that light, the powerful soldiers with the treasures in our hand immediately now.